Lawmakers in Santa Fe are hard at it today as they rush to pass dozens of bills in these waning hours of the legislative session. There are less than three days left to finish their work at this point. Matt Grubbs joins us at the Capitol. And Matt, it, it kind of feels like legislators plan on using most of those hours to actually get work done there. Yeah, that's a fair bet. Uh, being inside the 72-hour margin um, is really important at this point because it means that, according to the state constitution, the governor will have 20 days after the end of the session to act on anything that passes from here on out. And that includes line-item veto power that she has for spending and projects that she doesn't like in the budget and one-time spending. I'm Damian Willis, and this is The Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News, a podcast in which we attempt to pull back the curtain on our reporting process while diving deeper into some of the biggest stories of the week. This week, we're talking to New Mexico Representative Nathan Small, a Democrat from Las Cruces. We'll be talking about how he has approached this year's 60-day session of the New Mexico legislature. We'll take a look at many of the big ticket items lawmakers are discussing as they set about crafting an historically large budget, totaling more than $9.5 billion in recurring spending. There is no shortage of ideas on how to best spend that money. And that doesn't include the one-time non-recurring funds that'll be doled out this year. Unlike 30-day sessions, which happen in even-numbered years and are focused nearly exclusively on the state's budget. 60-day sessions allow any legislator in the House or Senate to introduce any bill they'd like. As a result, many are pitching their ideas to address some of the state's most pressing issues. Education, public safety, early childhood development and education, bail reform, water conservation, and energy, just to name a few. We'll talk to Representative Small about all of those things and more. We'll also talk about the state's land-grant permanent fund, sometimes referred to as the Rainy Day Fund, which has long been closely guarded by legislators, though that might be changing. Small, who has served in the House since 2017, is a conservationist by trade and currently serves as the chair of the House Appropriations and Finance Committee and is a member of the House Energy, Environment, and Natural Resources Committee and the House Printing and Supplies Committee. This week, I'm pleased to have Representative Small joining us. Representative Small, thanks for making time to join us today. David, it's great to, it's great to be on. Uh, I, I so miss home, but even just hearing, you know, thinking about home and being back soon while we finish up here, uh, it's got me very excited this morning. We should probably let our listeners know that we're recording this episode on Thursday, March 16th. So we've got about two and a half days left to go in the session. What do you think are the most important issues that still need to be tackled in this 60 day yeah. session? Uh, thanks so much. So I think the, you know, the, I am, I am really, uh, uh, excited and honored to, to be the house appropriations and finance chair, uh, named this year. So honestly, perhaps the biggest issue we, we sort of finished yesterday and that was, uh, finishing our budget house bill too. Right. 
Our budget invests record amounts in education, in economic development, in public safety, in infrastructure, including water uh, in southern New Mexico. We also save the most for the long term in ways that are going to really pay dividends for New Mexicans. And we keep a, a strong short-term reserve uh, just in case, uh, you know, crazy things happen in the world, which of course we've seen in the not too distant past. So I think getting the budget done is, is preeminently important. Um, as we continue the work now, it's going to be making sure that the policy uh, is there to sort of implement, uh, I think, the, the pretty strong work that we've done on the financial side. As chair of the House Appropriations and Finance Committee, can you talk a little bit about your ideas on spending or investing this, as you mentioned, historically large budget? Yeah, for sure. Um, we can, you know, the one of the things that we did early on, and, and I was so proud to bring forward, was we were going to have public comment on every single agency budget, if folks wish to sort of comment on, on those agency budgets. New Mexico is unique. We're one of a handful of states where the legislature builds its own budget alongside the executive, alongside the governor. And so I think uh, although it, it uh, made for longer meetings, uh, folks really stuck with receiving public comment. And I think that that did and will and must shape how we um, work over the next few years as we see really incredibly strong revenue increases. And what we heard from New Mexicans what I know from, from back home is that uh, education, public safety, diversifying and expanding our economy, public safety, including getting more uh, well-trained, well-equipped law enforcement officers, um, our healthcare, really investing in healthcare. And we did that this year with uh, the, actually a record budget for behavioral healthcare over 150 million new dollars there, really strong reimbursement increases for uh, healthcare professionals across the spectrum, uh, investing in places like NMSU. Those, those came through loud and clear again and again. Uh, uh, at the same time, I think we're really proud of the long-term savings that we're doing. New Mexico has what's called the Severance Tax Permanent Fund, and one of the core values that that fund has is that the more we invest in it right now, um, the more that it will help offset costs in the not too distant future when oil volumes are much more uncertain and current forecasts show them beginning to decline. So I think again and again, we heard invest wisely uh, save strategically and, and involve the public. And I think we were able to do that. So that's, I think as we start to transition into the summer where I'll be the vice chair this year for the, um, summer committee that's called the legislative finance committee, I want us very much to take those lessons into the summer 
of focusing on listening first and uh, really engaging. You mentioned uh, involving the public and I have spoken to legislators on this podcast in the past um, who have said that the budget process is kind of opaque. And I think that uh, Senator Souls, your your colleague in the other chamber, um, recently tweeted that he had just gotten the 260-day budget like a day before he was supposed to vote on it. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that or do you want to push back against that? Uh, Thank you. I, what, and this to my knowledge and certainly in my experience, what we did in house appropriations and finance committee uh, and what I was able to bring in as the chair supported by the committee this was the first time where we have had public comment on agency budgets and what's important there. I mean, this is everything, you know, of course uh, our K-12 public education budget, by far the largest general fund expenditure in the state this year, over $4 billion, uh, including uh, 6% raises for educators, uh, parity for uh, educators with other state workers for insurance, sort of you go down the line, right? That there's so much built into these. Um, I am very proud. And I think the, frankly, the house uh, shares a lot in this sort of approach right now, led by our speaker, by speaker Martinez, that um, we wanted to do a more open, uh, more publicly focused process this year than has ever been done before. And we did that. Um, I, we heard uh, from committee members, we heard from the public that there was pretty strong appreciation for the public comment that, again, this was the first time on agency budgets that we did that. Um, I frankly, I agree and am looking for ways to continue to expand that involvement to make this a more inclusive, more engaged process. You know, you see things um, after, after, you know, sort of going through this process a a few times where you want to make tweaks. One of those uh, that I had seen was uh, public comment on agency budgets. I think there are many more opportunities, frankly, to engage more broadly. Before this year, you would have been, uh, you know, before you were the, the chair of the House Appropriations and Finance Committee, you would have been the one getting this budget, you know, on Wednesday morning before the session wraps up on uh, Saturday at noon. Uh, we, you know, there. So the last two years, I was the vice chair for the committee. And I think in the House, uh, traditionally, we've had a, a a a more open process. I think we fundamentally expanded that this year. Um, as I look at ways going into the, but again, uh, you know, my my focus is going to be expanding that engagement, finding ways, whether it's through public comment, getting stuff online so that it can be reviewed. Um, 
engaging consistently across a very wide sector of folks, I think there will continue to be ways that we expand engagement. And what I look forward to hearing are sort of uh, how implementation of the budgets goes on across the state. You know, for instance, Las Cruces received significant funding, City of Las Cruces, in the law enforcement recruitment uh, program, recruitment and retention program last year. We added more funding to that program. We also uh, have passed legislation to help guide and implement that program so that it helps make our streets safer through not only more well-trained, well-equipped law enforcement officers, but a well-resourced district attorney's office, a good, uh, strong judiciary, and a public defender's office that's well-resourced because you need a system that works. Right. So that's that's going to be a lot of our work moving forward. And I think what we've heard, what we've seen in the coverage, especially for our, well, for our House budget process, is that it was the most publicly focused this year. And I'm really excited to take that into the interim and build upon it. Nathan, we're still working to deal with the Yazzie Martinez ruling. And you mentioned K through 12 education uh, earlier. Um, that has a profound impact on education around the state. How are we continuing to address that? Yeah, great. One of, if not the most important questions that we face. This year saw unprecedented, I think, alignment uh, after a number of years of sort of uh, broad agreement that we needed to invest more. A lot of differences in how to do that. Uh, and I'll throw out a few different pieces. You know, on some, including career technical education, frankly, there was a yeah. unanimous agreement where career technical education, finding ways to engage with uh, New Mexico students as early as possible about all of the opportunities uh, to contribute to society, earn a good living, um, that very strongly supported. This year, we have record investments for um, other engagements, including uh, success uh, excuse me, uh, attendance success initiatives, basically making sure that uh, students are are there learning and that we've expanded and invested in the learning opportunities so that they're uh, robust and engaging. Um, the so, so the yeah, I think this year we've done a far better job. There's still more work to go. Las Cruces actually is one of the leaders sort of in the state at implementing um, time for students to learn, expanding opportunities, frankly, sort of expanding what learning is, making sure our educators are uh, well paid, uh, well taken care of. Our educational assistants are now receiving uh, a, an increased uh, starting pay yeah. in at least 25,000 across the board, which is so important because we know that the broader supports uh, a 
expanded vision of what learning is, more hands-on learning uh, and opportunities for things like career technical education. We've passed investments in on the healthcare side as well with school-based health centers. Right. Um, really seeing it as a more complete uh, ecosystem and one that is more student focused that has uh, strong, well-paid, well uh, taken care of educators. And that's also family focused. We want, we need to engage families uh, in their children's education and a lot of the work that we've done this year, I think, moves us towards that. And that's what we've heard a lot from advocates, that we're finally aligning um, where we are. I think there is still work to go there. Uh, there has been an, an incredible amount of new investment in K-12 education. When you look uh, over $1.5 new dollars since 2019. Right. This will be one of the first years, I think, where uh, the reversions, essentially the money that is uh, appropriated but unspent, we're hoping to see those dollars decrease to see more dollars used for their purposes. And again, from career, yes. Nathan, this is kind of related. It used to be that the land grant permanent fund or the the rainy day fund was almost entirely hands off. It was the forbidden fruit. Is that still the case? You know, from your perspective as chairman, what's your sense? Yeah, Um so New Mexico voters, and this was something that I strongly supported, approved a slight increase in the land grant permanent fund distribution. Right. The, focused, the constitutional um, amendment. Exactly. The constitutional amendment that goes to fund uh, early childhood education, especially uh, along with some into K-12. It's so important because the research, the engagement, on the ground sort of studies here in New Mexico and things like pre-K have shown that for New Mexicans, for New Mexico kiddos all across the state, early childhood education, things like pre-K are vital. And so we, we fought very hard. We worked very closely and with a lot of back and forth, but we've expanded the pre-K slots uh, and expanded the day for pre-K options whether those are uh, at private facilities with, with uh, child care facilities where a lot of our uh, pre-K programs are. Uh, so that um, big step forward there in part based upon the, uh, what was broadly supported, I think almost by 70% of New Mexicans for uh, uh increasing the distribution from the land grant permanent fund. At the same time, uh, we recently created this, uh, something called the early childhood trust fund. Um, this was initially capitalized with a little over $300 million. And what it does, it takes the excess of a five-year rolling average yeah, it, it from oil and gas. Off, spins off interest. A- exactly. And, you know, this, this gives a scale. We that fund has grown from that initial investment. Uh, we're forecast to end this year at close to five billion dollars. 
by 2027, potentially upwards of $10 billion in that fund. That's alongside over $30 billion in the land-grant permanent fund and a very significant amount. Um, I don't know what it is right now, but the severance tax permanent fund. The, the core piece to sort of communicate to listeners is that right now we're able to do three things very well. We're able to invest for New Mexicans needs right now at the strongest, most sustainable levels we've ever done. And we're doing that. We're able to keep a short-term cushion, a reserve that we set at 30% in the house. There was a lot of discussion in the Senate about going below that. We said very clearly that we had to stay at 30%. We're there at 30% reserves for the short term. At the same time, we're saving almost, we're putting almost $600 million into the severance tax permanent fund, which is a very long-term savings account. Uh, and this is based upon a um, seven, eight and growing fold increase in uh, commodity volumes and oil volume production being done in the cleanest way, really in the nation. Uh, that is allowing us, it, it is a core part of allowing us to do these three key pieces. Right. Um, and, and that, that really extends across every issue area. <clears throat> Education, of course, is vital. This year, really excited on the economic development and diversification front. We set aside a strong uh, piece of funding, almost $20 million for border infrastructure and planning, because we know that's one of the core drivers, whether it's agriculture, whether uh, value-added agriculture, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's uh, technological development, trade is a great opportunity and something that grows our economy, especially in Doniana County. We set aside a very significant investment there. Uh, you look at water, we're uh, going to be well over $100 million into water infrastructure upgrades, um, water savings uh, that is going that directly helps the settlement of the Texas versus New Mexico lawsuit will safeguard supply of water for uh, all New Mexicans, especially Southern New Mexicans. Um, at the same time as those short-term investments, there was another hundred million dollars that we put into uh, the water trust fund for those long-term projects. So each area, and this is where so much of the detail for the appropriations and finance committee comes in, in a time of sort of expanded resources, we have to um, try to do the three things, invest now, uh, keep a short-term savings and do long-term wise strategic saving as best we can. Sure, we'll go with light, lightning rounds. So in an editorial, the Albuquerque Journal called this the state's latest and possibly last boom cycle. What do you make of that? I think generally it is, that is an accurate um, description. The time period and is 
um, not it's not a one or even a two year period. What we are forecast to see is a sort of like one of our mesas, not quite the steepness of the Oregon Mountains, but sort of like a mesa where we see uh, ascending revenues with volatility uh, through the end of this decade, through the end of the 2020s. Uh, at the sort of mid part of the next decade in the mid 2030s, we're forecast to be in a plateau, followed by sort of a steady descent. I think it is uh, fair to say that this is our last and best opportunity to strengthen, diversify and really set our state up for the future. And that really um, comes down to spending non-recurring funds, doesn't it? Uh, I, it is, that is certainly part of it, but we're, we're, again, I, I really want to emphasize this is not a one or two year sort of cycle, although we can have very extreme volatility, the, uh, the sort of basic, uh, forecast and projections are just fundamentally different, you know, for 30 years, New Mexico never varied, frankly, from our input, a commodity source, in this case, oil, you were never less than five, never more than 7 million barrels a month. Now we're well over 50 million barrels a month. So we're looking at a, just a changed picture, but I think it is appropriate for us to see this sort of, uh, several year, perhaps as long as nearly a decade period, um, as a fundamentally important time in New Mexico's history. And we can't talk through it all on this episode, uh, but, but we are, we, in this session, we will have done more to invest for today to keep that uh, short-term savings and to very, very much save strategically for our future in ways that could make New Mexico really one of the best positioned states, certainly in our region, uh, over the coming years and decades. You've sponsored about a dozen bills this session. Uh, Do you want to talk about some of those and let us know where they stand right now as of this recording? Uh, Sure. You know, that my focus... Think it has really been on House Bill Two. That is the uh, um, the uh, our bill, our budget, budget. Excuse me, right. our, our yeah. So so that is absolutely my focus. That is something that um, again touches every part of the state. As we look through and sort of think of the other pieces of uh, legislation. Uh, The Advanced Energy Technology Act, although the bill has not passed, uh, I'm very pleased that in a very collaborative way, we have funding in the budget that does everything from invest in our border infrastructure, uh, expand investments in energy uh, and advanced clean energy, as well as invest in uh, monitoring and enforcement for the energy and minerals natural resources department, New Mexico environment department, and invest in our economic development department, including in uh, sort of economic transition and just transition positions and initiatives. So uh, house bill 12 house bill 13 
although they haven't passed, we've been able to do a lot of good collaborative work that sees a home and funding for them in the budget. Um, House Bill 228, which I'm still uh, hopeful we're able to get over the finish line, will open up funding for for property owners who want to make their uh, buildings more energy efficient, more water efficient, more resilient to the impact of climate change. Uh, House Bill 411 has passed the Senate uh, and and the House, so we we look forward to hopefully having that signed by the governor. Um, Senate Bill 38, of which I'm a co-sponsor, will inject much-needed funding, uh, nearly $50 million into housing initiatives this year. That's another area where we're, um, along with investments in House Bill 2, will be just under $100 million for new uh, housing initiatives this year. So there, although my focus has been on the budget, I think we've been able to strategically get legislation that is uh, strong for New Mexico and especially for Southern New Mexico. Uh, less, less real question, I guess. Dan McKay, who, of course, covers the legislature for the Albuquerque Journal, was recently on a news program. I think it was on uh, KUNM and said of this year's session, the partisan makeup of the chamber hasn't really changed, but the personalities are different. It has been less combative with fewer debates. What's your read on that? Uh, I would very much agree with that assessment. Um, I think we, uh, Yeah, I agree with that assessment. I think from the committee, certainly uh, the House Appropriations and Finance Committee, we've had a very collaborative relationship um, with uh, members of both parties because that's what I think New Mexicans expect. I think that uh, that approach has been set at the very top. And Speaker Martinez, uh, Javier Martinez, said that very clearly and I think in a very positive way. I credit uh, the Republican minority leader, uh, Representative Ryan Lane. uh, Uh, A previous guest on our podcast, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And a previous member of the House Appropriations and Finance Committee. Uh, I credit him and and, uh, um, the whip, uh, Representative Gail Armstrong, who's actually the ranking member on the House Appropriations and Finance Committee, whom I've had the privilege to get to serve with since we were both elected in 2016. Um, I think there's been a tone that's been set. And you have a number of strong legislators uh, from both parties who are very focused on just the challenges that New Mexicans face, very aware of what we bring from Uh, our homes, where we come from, and also interested to learn and to listen from others uh, and with a strong sense of urgency. So I think, you know, you have to put in work every single day to sort of um, take that approach, which is to be focused on solving problems, focused not on, uh, you know, insults and this and that, but rather on listening, on engaging, on asking questions 
on sitting down to, to talk and work together. Uh, and I am very pleased uh, that that's really sort of the overall tenor and aware too that uh, thankful for, for the tone that's been set again by the speaker and so many others, minority leader, aware that that's work that you sort of have the choice of, do you do it every day or not? Do you try to engage, listen, sit down, work together, learn a little bit more, um, you know, sort of uh, maybe accuse or what have you a little bit right. less. And, and I think we have very strong examples of where that tone is being set at the leadership level. I'm very proud to sort of have that uh, at the chair level and to work to bring that as my perspective and have very strong partners again with folks like ranking member Armstrong uh, and so many others to who are right there, who know their communities. Yeah. Nathan, before we go, I want to ask you about the uh, governor's plan for the reproductive health clinic plan for Las Cruces. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, healthcare is vital. We are investing in healthcare. We are uh, ensuring broader access, better affordability for healthcare that New Mexicans need. And I think that's something that's been very strong throughout this session. Uh, that funding was included in the capital outlay bill. It's, it's, it is passed both chambers uh, along with funding for so many other investments. But at a time where healthcare uh, and people's access to healthcare, uh, including and perhaps especially women's access to healthcare, at times is under direct threat, direct attack uh, with potentially um, profound and deadly health consequences. Uh, I think New Mexico, this will be a session where we'll have more healthcare professionals across the array of healthcare that can be safely offered. And that's something that uh, this session has really produced. Is there anything else that you would like to add that we haven't talked about today? I, I just, I really appreciate you taking the time very much looking forward to coming on the podcast again and uh as always very focused on uh what the the work that we can do as a legislature that helps connects works with folks back home and i think this year will be a banner year where we can look at southern new mexico solutions southern new mexico approaches that have really become statewide um uh, statewide solutions here uh, in Santa Fe. Thanks again, Representative Small, for your time today. Hey, Damien, thank you. Uh, enjoy the weather, and we'll sense uh, there be some <laughs> water and some snow coming down from Santa Fe in our, our Rio Grande here send, pretty soon. Send some, send some will, snow our way. Good. Thank you. Be safe. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Reporter's Notebook. We also have a newsletter sharing reporters' stories about, well, about how they report stories. You can find all of our reporting in the Las Cruces Sun News. A special thanks goes out to Representative Small for joining us this week. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and many of the places you find your favorite podcasts. 
Thanks to KOB4 in Albuquerque for the extra audio heard in this week's episode. This has been the Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News. I'm your host, Damian Willis. This week's podcast was written and produced by me. You can also find all our local reporting brought to you daily by reporters who live and work in Las Cruces at www.lcsun-news.com. For all of us at The Sun News, thank you for the privilege of your time.